Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Isla Garcia, Master's Degree of Nutrition Science and Registered Dietitian, and I'm going to make weight loss realistic, sustainable, and uncomplicated for your busy lifestyle. On this podcast, me and my team of registered dietitians will decipher the latest nutrition research, dissect fad diets, and discuss social media trends for you so you can feel confident knowing what to eat to achieve your health goals. Research suggests that most weight loss programs aren't successful, but my experience has taught me that this is not because the participants aren't committed. It's because those diets are designed by non-nutrition professionals and center around severe restrictions. We are here to provide the facts about the science of weight loss so you can have the success you want and continue living your best life. Welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. It is Isla, your CEO, founder, and host of the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. And today I have on um, a guest that is a new worker of ours, and I'm excited to bring on. She brought up this topic of talking about like a different strategy compared to my plate for eating healthfully, and she's going to go into that with us today. So thank you so much for joining us today, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah. So you brought up this topic a little bit ago. Vanessa helps us with like our blogs and is now stepping into a new role of like helping a lot more with back end um, social media and uh, content, helping us kind of get organized with all of that. And I thought this would really be interesting to talk about um, for people who aren't, don't eat like square meals like my plate really allows. So I'm excited to talk about that. But why don't we first um, intro you so people know who you are in case we kind of see you again. Um, So tell us like a little bit about yourself, um, your education and maybe like work history. Cause I also think you have a really cool day job that will be helpful. Um, Where you live, what do you do for the millennial nutritionist, stuff like that? Yeah. So my name is Vanessa Carrillo and my background I went to Iowa State University and I have my bachelor's degree in nutritional science and I graduated like a little bit over a year ago. So four months after post-grad, I landed my first job at WIC. So that's women, infants, and children. And we help uh, low-income families get access to healthy foods. Um, And then before that, in college, I was a cycle instructor. That's one of my favorite jobs. Um, and then for the millennial nutritionist, I am the, the blog, one of the blog writers, and I'm now stepping into the role of like the marketing assistance. Iowa State. So, but you currently live in Illinois, right? Like outside of Chicago. Yeah, yeah I live in the Chicagoland area. And so, why did you choose to go to um, Iowa State? So it was a compromise <laughs> with my parents. Oh, okay. They didn't want me going too far. Uh, so I was like a perfect balance between it's close enough to like drive for any reason that they wanted to come up, but it was also far enough for me to be out of state. <laughs> that is so funny. I don't even know if I've ever been to Iowa and I feel like I've been to a lot of places. Like what was there to do there? Was it like, a, is it like a big school? Cause I guess it was their state school or like, what did you do there for like fun? Was it just like a normal college experience? <laughs> Yeah, so there's a lot of cornfields. Uh, so it was pretty limited, but Iowa State is a college town. So the town that I was in revolved around the university. So anything that I did most likely was because of a football game or a tailgate or a basketball game, anything related towards that. Okay. Um, when we were like able to go out a little bit more like into like the city, which was 
Des Moines about maybe like a 40 minute drive. We would go there sometimes, but for the most part, it wasn't worth it because everything was in the college town. Now that you're working, like, what do you do for fun on the weekends? Are you more of like a relaxing person or you live like uh, closer, uh, at least in a really big city, right? So like, do you take advantage of that or what do you do on the weekends for fun? Yeah. So I just got a dog. He is a 10 month old Husky. So he takes up the majority of my day. I'm with him um, because now I, I of course live in the Midwest and daylight is gone by 4 PM. We have to get to the dog park or whatever we're doing to exercise him. Um, And that is the majority of my day because when I come home, I work out, I cook, and then it's like 9 p.m. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I take advantage of taking him to like the beach or something like like uh, like a horse preserve, something in the daylight where I won't get kidnapped. (laughs) Having a puppy like definitely takes a lot of time um, for sure. Um, I get that. I guess I didn't realize that the sun sets so early there. Is it already like really cold out where you are? It's getting there. Like there was like a little bit of snowflakes going on a few days ago. So it's, we're, we're approaching winter. <laughs> Lord, no. Um, and then can you give any more details about like what you do in your day job, just to kind of give some context about like where you're going to come from with all these things that you're going to tell us about? Yeah. So I was hired on as a nutrition counselor. So everyone there has a bachelor's in nutrition or dietetics. Um, And from there, we take on the clients that are on WIC. Um, So that will include like a newborn up to a postpartum mom and anything in between that life cycle. Um, And we see from anything to everything from 830 to four, um, we have so many clients, we have a high volume of it just because we do want to help the majority of the community. So we tend to get a lot more clients, especially in my area. Because is it about the child or about the mom? I actually like only did like a virtual rotation for WIC. So I never actually even have been in a WIC office, but it's a major employer for like a lot of people who are nutritionists and dietitians. So is it like more focused on the child or the mom or like together? Is it educating them? Is it like food assistant or is it all of that? No, yeah, that's a good question. So we take in infants, children, and moms. So we focus on all three of those populations. It just depends on like the family dynamic and what we're getting. So it could be like a family of four and two children could be like two toddlers, a newborn and a mom, um, as long as the mom is qualifying for WIC at the time. So for WIC, for a mom, you would come in as either pregnant or postpartum um, or breastfeeding up to a year. And that's the time that you'd be able to qualify. And then we have, um, three month intervals, um, for the family. And it is based on nutrition education, health promotion. And with all of that, they end up getting like food benefits for whatever their food package may be. Gotcha. And then is your education focused on like overall wellness? Is it like, like your fruits and vegetables or is it like um, since it's like low income, is it more like focusing on getting enough food to make sure the children grow or is it just like whatever they need? So yeah, it's based on like whatever they may need, but for the most part, like if I'm getting an infant, we are going to focus on like frequent feedings. Um, if mom is breastfeeding, how often she'll be able to like how often she should be breastfeeding and then checking in with mom and seeing how breastfeeding is going, like making sure she's getting no plug ducts. Um, making sure she is eating enough when she is breastfeeding. When it comes to toddlers, for the most part, it's a lot of picky eating. Uh, so figuring out how to get toddlers to eat more veggies uh, within like whatever they may be like eating throughout the day. Um, and then sometimes it may be out of our scope of practice where it comes to a kid who is very, very selective with eating. 
um, because they have autism. So then we refer to like out, um, the outpatient, but um, like early intervention or any problems that may help the moms that they didn't even know it was there. That's awesome. Maybe we'll have to have you and Hannah on as like a combo interview because um, she works with a lot of our moms, um, but we always have um, issues that come up. We don't really want to work with children, but a lot of times when kids are picky eaters, it uh, takes a lot. We notice out of the mom and it impedes like her ability to lose weight if all of her effort is focusing on just eating whatever her kids can eat. So We'll definitely have to tap into um, your knowledge base there. Um, I always ask, just so clients get a good idea of um, like some fun foods to kind of work in, healthy or not, have there, are there any foods that you've been loving recently? We're like turning into the fall season. So anything there or is it anything else random that you've been enjoying? Um, I feel like the majority of the day, since I am so busy, I'm just like, okay, like I need to get in like food <laughs> so I yeah. can function throughout the day. Uh, so for the for the past like few weeks, I've just been relying on protein shakes for like for like quick on the go breakfast, Fair Life, um, which is funny because we actually did a blog post today on Fair yeah. Life. Uh, they have these protein shakes that are 30 grams and it's a salted caramel. So it's so good. Like while I'm driving, like on the way to work, if I'm like running late um, or just like in the office, like that's been like my go-to lately. Okay. I'll have to try those. I think some of my clients do like them. Um, Cause is it basically just milk? Like, is there any protein added to it? Actually, let me check the bottle because I thought it was just milk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's 30 grams, which is right. It's a lot high for it. Or regular milk. Um, because typically milk is um what like eleven or ten to twelve or something. Yeah. Um I threw it away, but I know oh. <laughs> I think at the end of the day it's just milk. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah, because I think there's something to it like that's ultra filtered, like maybe like Greek yogurt, where it's like a little bit more concentrated or something. I know it tastes really good. Um, well, cool. What have I been loving recently? So I can add to the mix. I have break groundbreaking. Like I normally like fixate on one breakfast for like six months. So I've recently switched back to oatmeal, but I've been doing still cut oats, which I need to look up like what the difference actually is, but I've been liking that. It's a little bit grittier. However, today I made them so salty. They taste so disgusting, but I just like have been boiling, boiling them and then adding like wild blueberries and then banana and peanut butter. And they taste so good to do all that together. And surprisingly a lot of protein. Cause when you add all that food up, it all adds up to like a lot of protein. Um, and I don't even really need any sweetener. I do a little bit of like agave or honey, but I don't add any in the base. Um, there's a lot of fiber and it keeps me full for a long time. Um, so that's kind of what I've been loving. I need to make like a fall one, um, maybe adding like pumpkin in or something, probably taking from some of our recipes. Do you feel like you're tired of trying every new diet out there whenever you're ready to lose weight, but you never really find long-term success because it's either too restrictive or just not conducive to your lifestyle? Well, then let me tell you about our three-month lifestyle reset program. This is an individualized weight loss approach where you'll be going through our proven six-step method and you'll be led by a registered dietitian. By becoming a client of the program, you'll be able to learn how to control your weight, increase your energy and confidence, and also improve your overall well-being. Not to be dramatic, but a lot of clients tell us that they actually change their lives by going through the program and finally find a sustainable weight loss solution when they actually haven't found that with any other program. If you are interested in becoming a client, sign up for a discovery call on our website, themillennialnutritionist.com with me, Isla Garcia, and I'll help match you with one of our registered dietitian coaches based off of your challenges and their nutrition expertise. 
If you're ready to find a sustainable weight loss solution in a non-judgmental and encouraging environment, I hope you'll connect with us soon. I haven't really been listening to the news lately, so I don't know if this everybody else knows about this, but I got an Apple alert that said that Biden to reveal a plan for reducing obesity, ending hunger by 2030. So it piqued my interest just to see what anybody's doing about anything nutritional when it comes to the government. And so what I kind of saw in here, it, it looked like kind of vague things. I didn't see like specifics really of like what they're doing. And then I had some like questions for you about like, they said they're like ending hunger and also reducing obesity, which like kind of seem like two different things, but working with like lower income people, I know that like sometimes people who are at a higher weight doesn't necessarily mean that they are like eating the right things or like they could still be like protein deficient, which uh, like doesn't help a lot of things. So like, what were your overall thoughts by kind of like looking at this just to get things started? Yeah. So I was looking at it too, and there wasn't a lot of like specifics. They were just like vague terms, but I mean, the entire article, like I agree, like hunger shouldn't have to exist in this country. Like we are a really, really wealthy country. And it's a shame that only one third of our food goes to wakes before it even hits the, the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to government and helping with like hunger, WIC is a great program. It's actually one of the most successful programs for every $1 we put into it. $3 gets saved into our healthcare system, which is like insane. <laughs> um, But yeah, like sometimes like when we do like see like even in clinic and the WIC clinic, um, there is a lot of like overweight or even like obesity just because like people are on the go, they're really busy. So what is accessible and what is cheap and what is fast? And most of the time it's fast food or just like any like corner store that's going to access to any like ultra processed high calorie foods. What, like when they are talking about like ending hunger I mean, it's not anything that I necessarily see in like my like practice. Um, I would sometimes see it in the hospital, but not often. But um, like, is that something that you see that people are like coming to you like more hungry or like, what does that look like day to day just in case people are like disconnected from it? Yeah. So, I mean, it could really, hunger has no face. Like that's one thing I've learned throughout these entire years and like my volunteering, um, you can walk into a room and you won't wouldn't be able to tell like who is struggling with x or or z so when it comes to people who are dealing with food insecurity it could be a mom who does have access to food but is giving all the food to her kids so they won't go hungry but then mom goes hungry Mm -hmm. Um, or it's figuring out how to uh, go paycheck to paycheck and figuring out what is the most available and cheapest thing um, to feed her family. And mm-hmm. then when you involve picky eating into it, for the most part, it's going to be like chicken nuggets and fries, which is will always taste good for kids. In the article, which is from the Washington Post, the administration stated that like the effort um, that these were going to like target people of lower income areas. So for people for lower income areas, what do you feel like you see like day to day that needs to be taken to in like nutrition related diseases for lower income? So like hypertension and um, high cholesterol that can lead to stroke, like because he was so vague, we don't really know, but what do you think needs to be taken to make a dent in these diseases? Yeah. So one thing I see all the time is gestational diabetes and type two diabetes. Um, and of course, pre-diabetes, um, that is one of the biggest, um, chronic diseases that I see that could be um, 
not easily fixed, but it could have a huge impact when it comes to nutrition. Um, and going in like back to WIC, like we end up catching those like cases, like between the cracks, uh, just a month ago, I was doing a certification for a three-year-old uh, child and we were getting into like her food assessment and nutrition assessment. And we got into family meals and how often like she's having family meals with her family and it turns out she was eating by herself for the most part. So started asking mom, like, well, what's going on there? And she mentioned that like all the adults in the household only eat one time a day and getting into more into that, it turns out mom felt that she needed to eat one time a day because she was sick. Specifically, she had diabetes. So she didn't know that she was supposed to be eating like all these other things or how many times a day due to her diabetes. So getting those people within the cracks really, really helps bring down like any like extra costs when it comes to um, people going to like emergency care, the ER for like a regular checkup visit. So within that hour, we were able to get her to the clinic, uh, the clinical dietitian, getting her like into like our uh, local like clinic for, for like medic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it sounds like you're saying the same thing that we kind of always say all the time. Is it like, um, it, it like kind of starts with like a professional identifying some of these things and then providing like education. It doesn't really come down to like a specific product or anything like that. Is that what you feel like you're saying? Yeah, honestly, there's no like special product or anything that any company can sell you. It, it comes down to to just someone identifying something that's like a red flag. Maybe we can kind of say that we, it sounds like we're saying that just there needs to be more uh, nutrition professionals that are educated that can like point out these things and then go to the next, um, the next place. But I know there can be a lot more things to it. And I don't want to like dabble too much into this. Cause I think it can be like, um, a whole episode within itself. Um, I know like working in the hospital, like there's always issues when it comes to like transportation or like having to work instead of going to doctor's appointments and things like that. So I think systemically there's a lot more, but I think that's a good way to highlight another thing that, um, nutritionists or dietitians are able to do, how can like problems with under eating and overeating really exist at the same time? Um, do you think, cause that's like in this bill is like what they're trying to do. Like, do you like see examples of that, like day-to-day -day in your practice? Or is that like, I mean, at WIC, or is that something that you're kind of just explaining? No, 100%. I recently was just talking to a mom who is what, six months postpartum, um, has like two kids. And she was talking to me how she, is having these really intense cravings at night. And I was like, oh, how come? Like, tell me like more about it. And turns out like she is spending her entire like day, like the wait, the moment she wakes up with her kids, like getting them to like, to, you know, daycare or like the bus and like taking care of a, of a newborn. And then when it comes down to her, it's already like 6 p.m. And she believes that she shouldn't be eating past 6 p.m. Um, and then all of a sudden when the kids are at sleep, like it's 9 PM, it's just her. Then the, that's when like she starts to overeat and like goes into like those intense cravings. So it really comes down to the basics of we tend to overeat because we're under eating throughout the entire day. Yeah. And I think it's important to highlight, like you said, that like the reason this is like really matters too, is that like um, if people don't get treatment, especially like low income, then they can end up getting like life-threatening diseases later on. Um, diabetes can lead to a lot of scary things. So can like hypertension, high cholesterol can lead to just like some really scary things. And it sounds like just like with their right education, hopefully like the right government interventions can help to cut down on those costs. Like you were kind of saying with WIC, um, it's interesting that, um, and we were talking like right before too, that 
my fitness pal actually got like a part of this, which I don't even remember how I think I saw it. I don't know if it was like my fitness pal news or something about how they were able to get, um, a part of, I don't know what this is like a grant or something. I had the article pulled up, but we read about how, um, they got money to help. Um, it sounds like give, um, low income, people access to their premium feature so they can track things that help with like lowering hypertension, like their sodium intake and their, um, uh, saturated fat intake, fiber intake, um, which is pretty cool that like, they are going to step in like that. Hopefully like the education is there to help. And we're not thinking about just what they're eating, but also like all these other systemic things that kind of keep people at these, uh, lower health statuses, but that's pretty cool. I'll be like wanting to follow up, um, on, on what like the government is doing or what this, this bill ends up doing to end hunger and end, um, diseases by 2030. Um, but hopping into our topic for today, kind of tell me about like how this topic came to be for you talking about, like, um, thinking about other ways to eat a balanced meal besides just using my plate background. Like my mom is type two diabetic and she would go to dietitians to help her how to eat, but she would listen to them and then it would all fall apart because she just like couldn't keep up with the recommendations. And it wasn't like the actual like nutrition part of it. It was like the preparation, the, like the method, the cooking methods and everything like that. So it, it came down to like the basics of it. And I was only like 13. So I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then when I went to school and started learning about nutrition, I would come back to her and be like, okay, like we can actually make this work. Like we can still, um, put in like all the food that you once were eating to focusing on like on managing your type two diabetes. Um, so that's how I slowly started to kind of figure out like, okay, like maybe like my plate or just in general, like this Western compartmentalized plates isn't the best approach to, to health. And when I actually got my job at WIC, I remember having this client who was telling me like, Vanessa, like I'm trying so hard to eat brown rice. Like I've tried so many recipes and I'm, I'm going to get it. Like, I'm going to like eat brown rice and I'm like, it's, it's okay. You don't have to <laughs> eat brown rice. Like we can get fiber in different ways and still honor the foods that you do like that are within your culture. Like beans are really high in, in fiber. Um, corn tortillas count as a whole grain, which is a fiber. Not many people know that. And like, once I told her, like, you don't have to eat brown rice. Like you don't have to eat what we think is healthy. That is typically Westernized. Like her mind was like blown. <laughs> yeah. And it was so like fun to, to hear her like click all the ideas that uh, we just like went through in like the nutrition education to figure out like, okay, like I can still be healthy and still honor my culture with all the foods that I was comfortable eating before. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I see that with clients too, that are from a different cultural background than just from like white Caucasian American thinking that they have to like override their parents' recipes. Like maybe they live in a multi-generational household and they're like, I like my mom's cooking, but I'm going to have to make boiled eggs and I'm going to have to do this and that. And I'm like, no, like you can still like lentils are good. Like they belong there. Like, you know, though, like pureed vegetables in a soup, like that counts. We shouldn't, you don't have to like totally reinvent the wheel to make this thing happen, but it can be hard if that's not what they're seeing. Um, like what problems do you feel like you see with my plate or like when trying to educate with my plate, unless that's like kind of what you just spoke to. So with my population, we of course get a lot of kids. 
uh, between the ages of one and five. And when it comes to figuring out how kids eat more vegetables, um, I'm always say like, oh, like he doesn't like vegetables. He doesn't like broccoli. He doesn't like carrots or like cauliflower, um, anything like that. And then we start to talk about like what they like to eat and what foods they they like to cook for the most part they're already getting in their vegetables it's just very like not in sight so it can be beans I think a lot of people forget that beans are a vegetable and can count towards their vegetable intake Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of sauces a lot of curries count as vegetables a lot of stews are already include vegetables that they're already eating those foods it's just that they are so focused on like the visual of my plate where half the plate is like a set of broccoli. So if they see it, they're going to think like, oh, I have to eat it this way. So really just kind of like breaking down like the mold that like, it doesn't necessarily have to be at this exact same measurement. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's like what I say with a lot of clients too. (laughs) Whenever I explain my plate, they're like, yeah, but I don't eat food on a plate. I'm like, oh, (laughs) maybe we need to think about like something a little different. Cause that is like confusing. If like you, you know, are full and trusting to somebody and they're like, okay, when you look at your plate, do it like this. I'm like, okay, but like, I don't eat foods just on a plate. So, um, it can be hard when they're trying to absorb and learn things. So I can definitely see where that would play a part. So then like, then how do you like explain how to have like a balanced diet beyond just using like my plate? I think my plate is like a, like a great tool to start with, especially like if you don't know like how to like get in like more of a healthier meal. But the idea with my plate, like half of it should be a vegetable. So that's why I start off with like my plate is just showing you that half of what you should be eating is a veggie. And then you have your portion of a carb and then your portion of a protein. So then we go back to like a typical meal that they have for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And then I start to point out like, this would be considered a carbohydrate. This would be considered a protein and this would be your veggie. Um, and then just kind of like slowly adding in more foods that they're familiar with and then start to compartmentalize like what does count as those three big macronutrients and then going back to the client being like, okay, like with what now you have, like the information, what meal can you build out of it to have those three balanced um, uh, macronutrients in your plate? So I just end up talking more about a balanced plate versus a, a my plate version. Yeah. I like that. So you're like, saying that those like components should still be there with like produce, protein, carbohydrates. Um, but it doesn't need to look like, like a little piece that's like this, 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 like on a plate. Um, can you like, maybe like give an example for like a non-conventional, like my plate meal, but, um, like is more balanced, like you're saying, so people can understand what we're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, for background, I am Mexican. (laughs) So, uh, one thing that like is considered balanced would be tinga. Tinga is just shredded, uh, chicken with like chipotle sauce in there. So you can think of it just like a, like a pulled chicken. Yeah. (laughs) And then, um, we have a tostada and that would be considered our whole grain because it's made from corn tortillas. And then we can put like a layer of beans on there. So we're getting a little bit of veggie in there and some fiber, and then we would put the tinga on top, and then we can top it up with whatever vegetable we want. And for the most part, it's going to be like uh, shredded lettuce or radish or anything like that. And that can be a balanced meal. Like you have the carbohydrate, you have the veggie, and then you have the protein plus the produce. Yeah. I love that. I actually was eating this weekend when I went to Austin and, um, they had that, is it normally like a breakfast item or no? Cause they had it as like breakfast. And I was like, what's the difference between that and chilaquiles? And my husband's like, I don't know. Cause he's Mexican too. <laughs> 
Um, no, I usually don't eat it for breakfast. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but okay. What then? So like, is that how the meal always is? Or is there like a non-balanced version to like compare it to? Like, is there normally that much vegetables on there? Or are you like telling them to add the vegetables? No, for the most part, we usually are topping things off with like shredded lettuce. Like shredded mm-hmm. lettuce is probably one of the most go-to uh, veggies yeah. that there is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because then like, if we like look at like other like breakfast items, huevos rancheros, that's eggs. So protein, the tortilla would count as the carb and then the actual sauce if you get tomato. So that is still considered balanced. So sometimes it's like sneaky, like, like, is it balanced or is it not? <laughs> but if, yeah. if you break it down to the most simplest form, it, it tends to always be balanced. It just looks super different. Yeah. And I sometimes tell clients too that, and I don't know how you feel about this, but like, cause sometimes I feel like the American version of these foods are like the more unhealthy ones, like nachos, just being like, like Velveeta cheese and chips is like not balanced, but like when we <laughs> add on beans and ground turkey or beef and also do, you know, some more cheese for protein and radishes. Like you're saying, that's, I feel like the more, um, the more healthy version. So like, I think getting back to those roots can often be like a little healthier, at least that I find, um, how, how does it feel for your patients or clients to know that like their cultural foods are already within balance? Like, what does that do for them? I think it's a lot of relief. Um, so for WIC, we're doing like Zoom classes like this. And my recent presentation has been on culture foods are healthy. And at the end, I get everyone's feedback. And I remember someone said like, this is so cool to hear because I always thought that my food was unhealthy and I had to eat a different way. But it's really assuring that a professional like you is telling me that this is healthy. So just getting that word out that, hey, like we can eat the things that our ancestors did and even our parents can still nourish our bodies and still, we can still be healthy. Awesome. Um, yeah, I think that is good. And it makes them sure like easier too for my clients too, that like come from different backgrounds. Like, like I said, it can be just like even saving time knowing that they don't have to like do that. Sometimes it's like maybe adding a vegetable to something if it's not there already, but it doesn't need to be like you eating like a whole separate meal and like feeling ashamed of like the food that your mom grew up making. Um, is it good to teach with my plate? Cause my plate comes from the USDA. So I'm sure like y'all know more about this. Like, why is it good to like be aware of my plate in general for overall wellness and health? Yeah. Um, it's a great tool to start with. Um, in the end, it's giving you the most basic, like gentle nutrition information. Um, half of what you should be eating, like is like a vegetable. Um, and then you're getting like a balanced portion of a protein and a carbohydrate. Um, and we can make that across any culture. There's always going to be those three elements. Then how do you find that it like ignores or like doesn't address like foods of other cultures? Like where do people get tripped up at? Do you think? I definitely the visuals of it. Um, going back to like my clients seeing like, oh, there's broccoli on this side. Now I have to like eat broccoli. So it's just kind of like the, the misrepresentation, not misrepresentation, but underrepresentation of how different meals can be healthy and still balanced at the same time. If we can think critically here, what are some like common foods that people like get tripped up on that think that are unhealthy or don't like, don't perfectly fit into one category, just if people don't know what I'm talking about. So you kind of gave one example of beans. So like running through the list or even examples of what you've given for education, like what are some foods that people think that maybe like don't fit or can like count as multiple items? Corn tortillas for sure. <laughs> My yeah. falls victim to this. Um, I always get tax of like, I, like, what should I eat? Like with 
with this certain food. I'm like, just eat the corn tortilla, you're fine. <laughs> um, so when I get clients, um, they were already told like, you should stop eating rice, you should stop eating beans and tortillas. Like tortillas is for some reason the first thing to cut out of someone's diet. I don't know why. And then they end up trying to replace it with like whole wheat bread or brown rice when it's the same thing. Yeah. It can count towards your carbohydrate. It can count towards your whole grains. Half of what our grain should be, should be whole. And then if we're having the white rice plus the corn tortilla, we're already meeting the standard. Yeah. Um, I, uh, people are always surprised too, even with like tortilla chips, like they're not even that bad. Like you can get like 30 or 20 chips or something for 160 calories. Like it's a pretty good, like high volume food. Cause it's just carbs. There's no sugar added to it. Typically like sugary carbs are the ones that I tell clients to watch out for, but yeah, no, just like plain carbs are fine. And yeah, corn is a whole grain. Like I tell clients to eat popcorn too, and they don't understand it. Um, but yes. Um, what, um, let's see. And then you kind of talked about beans. So then that comes to what, like what types of like protein or beans are you typically like explaining? Like, is it like black beans, pinto beans or what else? For the most part, I'm always envisioning in my head pinto beans. Cause that's what I eat. <laughs> um, yeah. but it can truly be any bean, which is the great thing about beans. They're so versatile. There's so many options mm-hmm. um, and there's different colors too. So if you have a picky eater on your hand, you could always pivot towards like the black pinto bean, the black ones or the brown ones or the red ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we could always add a little bit of seasoning to it to make it a little bit brighter. Um, so that's always a really good option. So if a client like it feels defeated that they, or somebody listening is feeling defeated that they feel like they can't do my plate because they don't eat those like square portions on a plate. Like how is thinking about it a little bit more flexible and thinking about these food groups that can kind of pass over on different categories, helpful for overall health or weight loss? Yeah, definitely the flexibility of not having to, look at your plate and be like half of it has to be like a vegetable or whatever so you do have so much flexibility and so much room to hit multiple food groups with only one so it could be lentils um it could be a stew where it has everything already in it so having that room for flexibility is really really great for weight loss too because sometimes we get bored of like eating like food if we're on a rut um or we just want to try something new while still being in our caloric deficit. So having those mixed meals, um, with that flexibility is, is, it leaves room for so much creativity and it opens so many doors to try new recipes and new foods. And we don't have to just stick to one. Yes. Yeah. And I find it, especially for my clients, that's like, they get frustrated if like they are tired of the same food over and over again. And they're like, well, I'm going to eat Thai food. Like there's not going to be a healthy option. It's like, okay, no, let's think of the food categories. Like, you know, can you find vegetables in there somewhere? I'm sure there's vegetables in a stew or in stir fried. And let's think of the protein and let's think of the, let's think of the carbs you're eating, whether it's rice. And so I think it's useful for whenever, even you go out to eat um, and you're eating something that you're not used to, like just thinking through like, where's my vegetable, where's my protein and where is my, um, like my enriched carb, if I can do it. Um, since this is coming out around Thanksgiving, um, can we provide an example of like how this can be useful for the holidays? I think even a lot of our clients that aren't lower income are going home to their family. And, um, we do have a lot of clients from other cultures and it can be hard, whether it's, uh, get a lot of clients that are Mexican. I know my family too is tortilla making C. I mean, it's a, uh, um, tamale making season and that can always be hard to balance. Um, or even other cultures, like what are, um, some ways we can use this for the holidays? Do you think? Yeah, I think it's actually what, what you said before, when someone's going to that restaurant that they are kind of fearful to go to, um, go back to the basics, uh, focus on your protein, Look for a bright vegetable and then don't forget 
get your cards. Those three powerhouses are going to help you stay within your journey of weight loss or just like healthy eating in general. Um, when it comes to tamales, help your help your grandma and your mom make those because those take so much time. My mom actually made some last night. Um, so like, even if like you are helping like the person making the food, you could always like sneak in more chicken because sometimes it's just, it's just the dough. Um, but I think about it, like the tamal, it's made from masa, which is corn. So we have a whole grain. And then if you're adding in the salsa, you get a little bit of veggie and then the shredded protein or whatever it may be, that's going to count towards the protein. And then there's always going to be sides that are available. So try to go for the most colorful, bright thing that's on the table and add it onto your plate. And at the end of the day, like if something doesn't work out the way you wanted to, um, you know, you go in with a plan and it just kind of all falls apart. At the end of the day, you spent time with your family, which at the end of the day, the holidays, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yes. No, I think that's great to remind everyone. Um, I find that what I've my clients kind of get tripped up on is thinking that that food doesn't go in any category. And so then what they end up doing is just like feeling overwhelmed and like overeating anyway, where, yeah, like a tamale can be, um, your, your protein and your carb. We don't also need to be eating. If you're trying to lose weight, like we don't also need to be eating chips and salsa on the side or also rice, um, you know, trying to fill up the rest of your plate with produce, whether that you bring it or, um, getting in more protein if there's not enough in there or yeah, trying to, um, substitute for like a leaner protein option. But if you really think critically about what different types of foods are, as far as whether it's a carb, is it a protein or a produce? I think that you'll be successful with weight loss as well. At my job, we're always ordering <laughs> uh, takeout and we always are surrounded with like a lot of like Hispanic, um, restaurants. So there isn't a lot of like side veggies to order from. My go-to is always beans. I get made fun of at work <laughs> for always ordering a side of beans, but it fills me up a lot. Um, beans are probably like the, if you can take any, anything away from this podcast is just beans are good to eat. <laughs> yes. Yes. I agree. Beans are my go-to like moving to Texas. Um, we, every time we have family in town, they always want to get barbecue and I purpose, pur I don't really love Texas barbecue. I'm sorry. I'm not a huge beef, beef barbecue person. I'm more of a shredded pork barbecue person, but they always have good pinto beans that have been like mixed in with the barbecue sauce, which tastes really good. So that's really my go-to is pinto beans. And, um, they normally have like a side salad and coleslaw is how I get my little, my plate done or, um, tacos. <laughs> I find it hard and I would be interested in what you think. Um, whenever we go to like an authentic taco truck, it's hard to get vegetables. If that's like the entree, like whether there's like two little slices of radish on top, there's typically always beans. And that's like what I find. Is that what you do too? Are there any other like sneaky tips to try to achieve my plate at like a taco truck? You know, that's pretty hard too. Cause like the main thing is just meat and tortillas. Um, and there's not many options to choose from. You could always do, um, like cebollitas that are just like grilled onions that like, it's like a little onion and it's like intact with it's like actual like stem. So you can have that. Um, they do most of the time, like grilled jalapeno, like an entire mm. pepper. So if you're feeling adventurous, you could always try that. Um, but of course the, the side of beans are always my go-to. Yeah. Yeah. No, beans are great. They're the cheapest that you can even really do. Um, they're so versatile. I think every single culture has beans that you can find to make fun, whether it's Asian or Latino or even like European, um, Greece, Sicily, all those places have fun beans as well. Um, but thank you so much for joining us today, Vanessa. I think this was really helpful to, um, 
talking about like how we can work through my plate for people that might like be eating foods that aren't like a meat and a vegetable and that brown rice. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. For daily weight loss tips and nutrition information, you can find us on Instagram at the.millennial.nutritionist and on TikTok at millennial.nutritionist. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who needs encouragement on their health journey. See you in the next episode. Thank you.